Peter wants us to remember that we have a new heart. Not only do we have a new heart, but we have a, a new mind. And therefore, our conduct should reflect a new heart and a new mind. But let me tell you this. Nowhere does he imply that we can be sinless or perfect. You can't. You will only be sinless and perfect when you are physically with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm sure in some places... Uh, People take this to extremes. We've all seen it. We've all heard of churches that are almost borderline cultish in things. They uh, put more emphasis on what you wear than what's in your heart. They put more emphasis on the external things. But I don't think that's what Peter has in mind. I think Peter has in mind... This thought that you and I can be holy. Because when I stand to preach before people and I tell them to be holy, immediately in your mind, your flesh is saying, I can't do that. I can't not do that. Has anyone else felt that? You may think that. I cannot be holy. I know me. I know some of the thoughts I've had. I know some of the things I have done. I know my history, my past. And let me tell you, Everyone has a past. Everyone has a history that has no bearing on our personal holiness. The problem is, church, we don't understand what holiness is because we haven't preached enough on it. We've gotten too much feel-good religion where we want to emotionally be stirred and feel good about ourselves for the week and we don't want to see that really if we want to have peace and we want to have joy and we want to have that calm spirit, it only comes by walking in obedience to Christ and His Word. And so there are three, th three things I want to say before I get to the main part of the message. This, these are just foundational things to understand this text. First of all, we should be recognized as children of God. Look in verse 14. He says, as obedient children, as, as, this is a simile. It's not a metaphor, it's a simile. It's a, it's a comparison using like or as. He is, he is comparing us to, as obedient children. We should be obedient children. We should be recognized, number one, the church should be recognized as obedient children of God. We were talking about this in our, our Bible study yesterday morning. What we've done in churches is we've gotten people saved and then we immediately start teaching them Stuff. We start teaching them you need to go to church. We start teaching them you need to tithe. We start teaching them you need to be baptized. And all these things are good. But the Great Commission says you go and make disciples, you baptize them, and you teach them to obey whatsoever things I have commanded. The first thing we need to teach people when they come to faith in Christ is obedience to the Word of God. Obedience. We used to teach our kids that song. They would sing. O-B, I don't am going to sing it or spell it because I'm going to mess it up and you're going to say, well, we already confirmed what we know about you. You can't sing or spell. But anyways, the point I want to make is this. We used to teach kids to sing songs about obedience. But our churches, we've moved away from teaching absolute obedience to the Word of God. Church has become so, so 
complex anymore. You got all these social media things. You got all this. You got to do all this. If you're going to reach a generation, you got to do all this. You got to do that. Let me tell you something. The first church never had one ounce of social media, and they reached, they turned the world upside down. You know why? Because they were obedient to Jesus Christ. They were obedient. One of the marks of a believer is that I am obedient to the word of God. And so the first thing we see here is that we should be recognized as children of God, obedient children of God. Number two, we should be recognized as no longer conforming ourselves to the form of lusts. There should be a change in your character if you came to faith in Christ. If you are born again, now I'm not saying you're perfect and I'm not saying that you don't sin because everybody sins. If man, 1 John 1, 8, if you say that you have no sin, you are lying. You're a liar. Preacher called me a liar. No, I didn't. I just tell him what the word says. But the point I want to make is this. We should no longer be the ones walking by the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. We should be characterized not by being perfect, but when we do mess up, we're okay with publicly confessing and repenting and letting, letting people know, hey, I messed this up and I'm wrong. I'm wrong. We should not be as we were when we lived in sin in ignorance. One of the problems with the church is the church has forgotten that sinners sin. And we look at the world and we look at sinners and we think, they're out there, man. Well, yeah, they're out there because they don't have Christ. And the Bible says the natural man cannot receive the things of God. An unsaved person does not have the ability to do right. They don't. And they do it in ignorance because they do not spiritually know better. I'm full of insults today. Well, you've already called me ignorant and you've already called me this. No, I'm not calling you ignorant. I'm telling you, if you're not saved, you do things in your ignorance not knowing Christ. And the third statement I want to say is this. We should be recognized as being holy in all of our conduct. Why? There are two presiding principles in this text. Number one, because it's written, because God said so. Now look at me. Personal holiness is not something you get to choose whether you want to do or not. You're either right or you're not. You're either doing it or you're not. Okay? Number one. Number one, because it is written. And number two, because God's holy. Jesus Christ is holy. And if we're a Christian and we're called to be Christians, then we are to be holy. Right? It's getting quiet in here. We're to be holy. So let me just ask you a question here. Does any of us in here that are saved have an excuse for not being holy? No, we do not. We do not. Preacher, can I really be holy? Can I really be holy? Well, let me just work some progress through some things here. Number one, if God's word tells me to do it, then I can do it. God is not going to tell you to be holy and then not let you do it. Why would he set you up for failure? He's not doing that. If he tells you to do something, you can do it. So number one, this is something we can do. Does God's word say that I can be sinless and perfect? Absolutely not. Nowhere does God's word say that on this earth that I will live a sinless, perfect life. Now ladies, I don't want you elbowing your husband and say, Amen, I told you. You're not perfect. What we don't understand is what it means to be holy. 
This is what I want to spend the bulk of our time on. Because you and I can be holy. The problem is we don't understand what it means to be holy. To be holy in this sense, in this passage, means to be separated from the world. It means to just be separated from the world. Again, I have told you all this. There are many people that take this to extreme. They say if you are a woman and you don't wear a skirt in church, then you're not separated from the world. That's not what he's talking about. That is not what he's talking about. I've been in many churches where they've had a choir loft and there's been ladies in dresses and I wish to God they had pants on. And I'm just going to leave that where it is. And I'm not going to comment anymore on it. The world here in view means the former lusts of the world which he writes about above. This is tied together. We are, we're, we're in this world. We can't get out of this world. But we do not have to be of this world. And this is the key. Look with me in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. This is the same concept. Do not love the world. Now listen, he's not talking about the world and the people in the world because for God so loved the world. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he's not asking us to not love the world like God loves the world. He's talking about the things that are in the world. Those appetites, those desires, those temptations that take us away from God. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. We are not of the world. Those things are of the world. Now watch this. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Many people get confused over this. What he is saying is we are no longer characterized by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We have a new master. Our master is now Jesus Christ. Our master is not the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Why? Because all that leads to stuff that's passing away. Destruction. It's not of God. So when he tells us that we are to be separated... It means that we are to be distinct from the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Not that you have to have a coat and tie on. Not that you can only carry a black Bible. I had a guy tell me that one time. It's got to be black. I hate to tell you this, but the Word of God is the Word of God whether it's written on a paper bag or in a black leather binding. Well, women can't wear makeup. Come on, man. Every old barn needs a good painting every once in a while. I'm in trouble, man. Man, I'm in trouble. Hey, listen to me. Holiness means we are separated. It's not saying these goofy, cultish things. So if I can get you back for just a moment, let me tell you how can we, can be, how can we become holy. How can, we become, how can we be separated from the world? How can we be distinct from the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life? I'll tell you this. First of all, we must be obedient. I refer you back to the text. In verse 14, he says, As obedient 
children. Obedience. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. 1 Samuel says, it's, it's better to obey than to sacrifice. Obedience. We walk in obedience. If I want to become holy and separate from the world, I want to walk in obedience. I don't want the gods of the world to become my God. I want the Lord to be my God. And I obey Him and I obey His word. I revere His word. Why do you think we read the scriptures to start the service? We want to set the tone that God's word should be obeyed. We should obey it. And we stand and we in honor and reverence to God's word because we know that without it, without it our faith will not grow. Without it, we don't know what to do. If I'm going to be holy, I've got to be obedient. And here's the thing, church. People think obedience is just some great thing. Well, if, if, I, if I'm submitting myself to be obedient to God, He's going to call me to go to Africa and sell everything I got and be a missionary. Well, you think an awful lot of yourself. Maybe God will start with you emptying the trash. Amen? We get so... Thing, and what we have to learn to do is we take a step in obedience. And then God gives us more. And we take another step in obedience, and God gives us more. You say, you have a Bible for that? Yes, I do. Jesus said this, He that is faithful with little, I will make ruler of much. If you're going to be faithful and you want God to do something in your life, you've got to start where you are with what God has given you and be faithful and obedient with what He's given you. Obedience. If I'm going to become holy, I need to walk in obedience. And let me ask you a question. Is partial obedience obedience? Partial obedience is disobedience. Disobedience. And we have to understand that I have to... This is why it's so important. When I t stand and tell you, read your Bible, and you say, I don't like to read. I know there are thousands upon thousands of people that literally hate to read. You know, we have so many tools right now. You can, a phone app can read the Word of God to you. Instead of on your tractor listening to songs about carousing and drinking and stuff like that, why don't you put the Word of God in your mind? Obedience. This is why we try to emphasize being in the Word of God because if you don't know the Word of God, how can you be obedient to it? If you're going to be holy, you've got to be obedient. Number two, if you want to be holy, you have to be transformed. You've got to be transformed. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If we want transformation to take place in our lives, it won't happen until we first surrender. Listen, if you hold back 1% and give God 99% of your life, and you hold back 1%, you have not surrendered. And we have different levels of surrender. Well, I give God this, this, and this. 
and that's 80%, so 20%, we might be good. That, that, that is nowhere in the Bible. Either you surrender or you don't. Has anyone here ever surrendered? I'm going to start doing this tomorrow. I surrender my life. And tomorrow, you make a mistake. You mess up, right? How many of us of all, everyone and probably, if you are an American, you have at one time or another said, I'm going to go on a diet. And my wife laughs at me. I always, always Sunday or Monday. Well, let's go Monday. We can't do it on Lord's Day. You got to start on Monday. You know what I mean? And then Monday, you're doing great until about 3 o'clock and there's the Oreos. And I don't care. I love Oreos. I don't care if I'm made in Mexico. I'm still going to dip them in milk and eat them. And if you want to boycott them, send me your Oreos and I'll eat them. We know on a practical level about not surrendering. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to start exercising. You know the gym? You know when the busiest months of the gym are? January. Not February. January. You know why? February, we're like, (laughs) that ain't working. I'm done. Transformation. If I don't surrender myself, and listen, this is something I have to do daily. Sometimes just moment by moment. I find myself picking up something I surrendered to the Lord, and then I have to realize I've got to lay it back down. And listen, we think that by picking it up and mulling it over and, and, and nurturing it and, and, and soft, it's going to help us. No, it hurts us. It's detrimental to our faith. What's good for our faith is that we lay it on the we lay it on the altar and we surrender it to God. And we say, God, look, this is something in my life that's worldly. I need, I need it. This is something in my life that's dividing me from you. I, uh, I, I found this thing that's fascinating. It's called VidAngel. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that. You can buy it. You subscribe to it. And then you can watch shows through it, right? And you can lead out all the cuss words and all the uh, scenes that you shouldn't be watching. You know what I found out? I got that, and I was watching a certain show, and I won't tell you the show, because I like it, and uh, my flesh loves it. And I found out that I got this thing, and I thought, hallelujah, now I can watch it. I don't have to worry about them cussing and all this stuff. And guess what? I still, I still see them cuss and read their lips. It just, it just goes quiet, and I can still see it. And I thought, you know, this is something that's not making me better. This garbage that's going in my mind is not making my walk with the Lord any better, so I quit. And I, I've been trying to stay away from the television, you know. I have that afternoon problem where, you know, I've got all my things in order and it's quiet, no one's in the house, and I sit down for a second to watch TV to find out what's on the news. I haven't watched news in days, man. I'm snoring, sleeping. And I'm trying to get away from all of the worldly influences. I haven't watched the news in so long. I don't know what's going on. And people were talking about all this stuff, and I don't know what you're talking about. Because I felt like I was being influenced more to the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life more than I was to the Word of God. I was spending more time watching stupid television than I was in the Word of God. And so I'm deliberately taking some time and carving out in the afternoon to deliberately sit down and read, not only in the morning, but in the afternoon, but try to grow in this area. Because if I'm sitting up here telling you that you need to surrender, I need to surrender too. Because if I don't surrender, then I am going to be conformed into the image of the world. The the language is very specific. You present yourself a living sacrifice, then you will not be conformed to the image of the world. So surrender precedes all of that. And so I'm not going to be conformed to the world. I'm not going to think like the world thinks. I'm going to think with a biblical word view, not a world view. 
You understand what I'm saying? The Bible tells me how I think. The Bible tells me how I think. And when the world tells me how I think, I get all messed up. And so do you. You say, well, it can't be bad. Let me tell you, it's worse than what you think. It's worse than what you think. And then he tells us that if I'm going to have this transformation, I have to renew my mind. It's, it, it, in, in the way the Greek reads, it's a continual thing. It's not a one-time, I'm going to renew my mind. And now I'm good, I'm sticking with it. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. You're not sticking to anything. It's a continual action. I'm constantly renewing my mind. I'm constantly renewing my mind. I'm constantly seeing things that are more given toward the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And I'm turning from that and renewing my mind. I'm renewing my mind. I'm getting away from that. I'm in the Word of God. I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm around believers. I'm not hanging around the crowd at work that, that's telling the, the bad jokes and all the, the wickedness and showing all that stuff. I can love them. I'll be friends with them. But I'm not hanging out and putting myself through that. Renew your mind. So that you can find out what the will of God is for your life. The number one question I've been asked since I have been a pastor is, Pastor, how do I find the will of God for my life? Well, are you obedient? Are you being transformed? No. Well, how in the world are you going to find a will for your life if you don't even got the first elementary steps? So we have obedience and we have transformation. God is transforming us into the image of His Son. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. And then lastly, our walk. How am I going to become holy? I'm obedient, I'm being transformed, and my walk. Conduct matters. When I say walk, I'm not talking about your gait and how you step or whatever. I am talking about how you conduct yourself as a human being, as a follower of Christ. How you conduct yourself. And how we conduct ourselves matters. He tells us to be holy. And we look at this thing of being holy and being separated from the world and we wonder, how in the world can I be holy? Well, first of all, you're going to have to be filled with the Spirit. You are going to have to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. You have to be full of the Spirit under the control of the Holy Spirit. Well, how am I going to do that? Well, there are three things in Galatians he says. First of all, in Galatians 5.16, he tells us to walk in the Spirit. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5.18, he tells us to be led by the Spirit. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And in Galatians 5.25, he tells us to live in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, <coughs> let us also walk in the Spirit. Here's the message. What's the message? The message is this. If you and I are going to live in the Spirit, we have to walk in the Spirit. If we're going to walk in the Spirit, we have to be led by the Spirit. If we're going to be led by the Spirit, we have to be filled with the Spirit. So, Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. That's a continual thing. Do you surrender yourself daily to the Holy Spirit? God, help me. Where I take you, you go. Things I look at, you see. There is no reason we cannot be holy. We have the Savior, Jesus Christ, who saved us. We have the Holy Spirit who indwells us and empowers us. And we have the Father who has called us. We have no excuse. We will stand before Jesus Christ one day. We will look at Him and we will say, Lord, either I did 
my best to walk in obedience and transform life and walk filled with the Spirit. I did these things because I want to be holy. I want to be separated from the world. I want to be different. I want to be distinct. I don't want to follow the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. But we're going to stand before him and say, Lord, I followed the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You know, I have met some people who have been out of church for a long time. And I visited with them. And on more than one occasion, I visited someone, and they were out of walk with the Lord. They, they, they're saved, and they love the Lord, but they're not in fellowship with Him, and they're not in, not in church. And I've met them, and I've talked to them, and on more than one occasion, every one of them had a common denominator. You know what that common denominator was? They were miserable. And at this point in my life, as a pastor, I just want to tell people, look, there's a way that you can have peace, joy, and, and enjoy life even when it's tough. And there's a way that you can be miserable. You choose, and if you want to be miserable, you be miserable. It's not anyone else's fault, it's your fault. And if you choose to be miserable, be miserable. You cannot be a born-again believer in Jesus Christ and not care anything about holiness and be right with Him. If you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you need to come to the understanding that your walk matters. Your conduct matters. We are instructed to be holy two reasons. Number one, because He's holy. And number two, because the word, it's written in the Word and He says so. And that's enough. And whether you want to or not is up to you. And you say, well, preacher, how do I do that? Well, you start today by surrendering yourself to walk in obedience. You surrender yourself to the process of transformation, which is the same, I think, is the same as sanctification. It's God, the Holy Spirit, working on your life, making you more into the image of Jesus Christ. And you walk in the Spirit. That's what we need. You don't need to wear a big cross around your neck. And you don't need to have a big family Bible hitting everyone as you go through. All you need to do is be holy and they will see Christ in you. Remember, not sinless perfection, but it is simply being separated from the world. So, I ask you this morning, do you want to be holy? And I remind you, you have been commanded to be holy. Will you be right or will you not? Father, we love you, we praise you, we adore you.